Okay. Hello. For tonight's edition of the Gist of Freedom, we have our guest, Ashley McFarland Bowie. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Hi, I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Great. It's so great to have you. She is currently the, a, the Vice President of Development at WeTV on the AMC Networks. And Ash, yes, how long have you had that position? been at WeTV for a little over a year now. Um, I guess my year anniversary was, oh, it was my birthday, September 2nd. Happy belated birthday and congratulations. Thank you very much. Now, I read that you executive produced many um, hit shows such as Bravo's uh, new um, Housewives of Potomac and Housewives of Atlanta and VH1's Girls Trip. So how long were you doing that before you moved over to we TV. I have been, um, so in reality television or what they call unscripted television, um, the position is showrunner, executive producer. So they're actual, on these shows, they're actually maybe like four or five executive producers all playing different roles. Um, so on these shows that you had mentioned, I was a showrunner, executive producer, which meant I was out in the field and often in, in post and the edits, just supervising the actual work of, of making these stories come alive. Um, I have been doing show running executive producer work for, I mean, wow, uh, it has to be close to 20 years now. Um, I started really young, so I don't mm-hmm. want anyone to think that just because I said 20 years, I've been in this game since I was a baby. Um, and uh, I uh, have had been doing it for so long, I just sort of got to a point where I was looking for something different. Um, and as God would have it, you know, I just, I got a call out of the blue last year when I was working on girls cruise with VH1, um, that asked if I would be interested in coming over to the network side of things. Once I wrapped up work on that project. Great. That's wonderful. I'm glad they finally recognized all your years of hard work in the industry. (laughs) So now I'm just curious as the, um, as your part of being executive producer when you were there, did you interact with the actors or was more so? Oh, just- yeah. Oh. Yeah, most of the talent on the shows I consider to be friends. Um, I'm, I'm still very dear friends with Giselle from Housewives of Potomac. Mm-hmm. I am, um, I talk to her a lot. I, um, I'm friends with most of the cast from Southern Charm, New Orleans. We did for Bravo a few years ago. Um, Toy Hunter was a show I did years ago for Travel Channel. That's like my family, um, okay. all the cast from that. Um, so yeah, it's it's very hard not to build lifelong bonds mm-hmm. um, with the talent because you are literally in the trenches um, trying to create these worlds that everyone sort of escapes into when they watch these reality TV shows. And because they are, at least the ones I work on, real Mm-hmm. Um, you you get intimate information about their lives and their emotions and their their stories. So it's very hard to to just walk away and say goodbye once the set is wrapped. Um, okay. You've created very deep friendships, and I think as a female producer, you you tend to have a, a special sensitivity um, to the characters that that begin to develop over time as you shoot. Okay, so it's how important is a storyline? for the talent because you keep hearing well they might not be on the next show because their storyline they didn't have a (laughs) storyline um so that's that's so funny because i started producing these types of docu-series early on um uh i want to say 
before Atlanta Housewives came out, there were only a few black docu-series out. And one of them I worked on was the Salt and Pepper show for VH1. And back then it wasn't necessarily about having a storyline. It was really mm -hmm. like, let's go and dive into these people's lives. Let's film them and let's figure out if there's something interesting to create a show around. Um, only until recently, probably the past four or five years, have storylines become basically the the core of how these shows are produced because the more the longer reality television was on the more savvy the cast and the talent got to how these things were being produced and so they realized that yes during the casting process if you come to the table with a certain uh, story to tell that's already sort of easily mapped out um, it makes you a much more viable candidate to be cast into the show um, such that once we start producing, you're coming to the table with something that has a beginning, middle, and end, and we just craft out what scenes are going to flesh it out. Um, so to answer your question, having a storyline these days, uh, it will make or break whether you make the show because it allows the producer something to work with. Um, it makes our, our lives a lot easier if you are coming to a television show with a story to tell versus a story that we have to dig up. And one of the um, most successful reality shows is the Housewives of Atlanta. Now, are you yes. close with any of those? Well, I must say with Housewives, of, uh, with Housewives of Atlanta, that was sort of a, an outlier for me because I, was, um, I came on board as a consulting executive producer. So when I came on, I think it was the seventh or eighth season, that show was a machine. Um, okay. it, it could pretty much produce itself. Mm -hmm. um, and because I had executive produced the first season of Housewives of Potomac with my dear friend, Bianca Barnes-Williams, and that franchise just kind of like leapt off the screen and there was something special and unique about it mm -hmm. um, that I think everyone felt that anyone involved in the Potomac process project may have something to add to the Atlanta project because the Atlanta project at that point had gotten a little older, a little bit more routine. And so let's throw in some fresh ideas. You guys have just done a new show with another ensemble of black women. Let's see if there's some additional things that we can kind of sprinkle into the Atlanta mix. So I sort of came on just for that purpose to, okay. to see what was going on and to see if there were areas that we could, um, we could just kind of like tweak a little bit. So it felt mm -hmm. a little bit more fresh. Um, that said, um, I did befriend um, quite a few of the, the talent that season that I was there. I recall Kim Fields and I got along really, really well. She's a really sweet woman, um, awesome storyline, um, great family story. And she's, I mean, everyone knows Kim Fields. She's doing amazing things with her career and her life. So it was, it was a joy um, to produce her. Um, Nini was not on the season I was there. Um, but Cynthia and I got along great. Um, but I, I didn't, because I was there for a shorter amount of time than the other shows, I didn't build um, as, as long of bonds um, with that talent that I had with other shows. Okay. And now that you're at WeTV as yeah. the vice president of development, what are you, are you still going to kind of focus in on the reality situation, reality TV, or do you have a broad spectrum of well, currently, um, WeTV we TV has original programming only on two nights a week. I don't know if mm -hmm. the viewers out there watch WeTV, but it's Thursday night and Friday night where you can catch their original programming. Other nights, they have acquired shows. Um, so Thursday night and Friday nights are really where I focus my attention to, to develop 
new projects and mm -hmm. they are an unscripted channel. They don't, um, WeTV does not currently air scripted projects. It focuses and sort of has found its niche and success in, um, in unscripted. So I will be sticking with that okay. for a while um, until WeTV decides to shift gears if ever. Um, it seems to really be working for them. Um, we have really successful shows in Love After Lockup and Mama June and Braxton Family Values mm -hmm. um, and growing up hip hop. So that unscripted space seems to be a sweet spot for us. So like my grandpa said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> okay, so so now are you looking to expand in those areas of uh, maybe hip hop or? Um... Yeah, you know what? I think with the success of growing up hip hop because now it's in three different cities, um, and it has a, a very um, vibrant, loyal viewership. Mm -hmm. I think we now have permission to dig into that hip hop space and that hip, hip hop lifestyle a little bit more. Um, we brought in a different group of viewers with Grown Up Hip Hop. It's a little younger mm -hmm. um, than our demo. Um, and that group also has a love for hip hop. So we did um, Untold Stories of Hip Hop with Angie Martinez last year. So um, good. Yeah, so yeah, good. I, really I love it. So good. Show. Really enjoy that show. Mm -hmm. So we're looking to do other things in that space, hip hop adjacent projects, maybe about stylists or um, or uh, managers and agents in the industry, maybe not necessarily the performers. Um, so yeah, I think our scope in that area is broadening as we see that our viewers like to watch it. Well, if you mentioned stylist, June Ambrose is like amazing. I follow June her on Instagram. Incredible. She's yeah. so much fun. And June's I think fantastic. she styled everybody. Her she and, Misa, has. and Misa Hilton too. Mm -hmm. Those are good. Absolutely. Those are nice names. Those are now, legends in the game. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So along with your busy career, you have children, <laughs> correct? I do. I have two little ones. Okay. Um, I have an eight-year-old son and I have a, um, she just turned two, a two-year-old daughter. Wow, congratulations. Wow, so you're bouncing a lot. How is that working I out am. with COVID? How is that working oh, out? Oh, man, it is something else. Um, <laughs> listen, for those of you guys out there, if you don't know Jesus, go meet him because he's the only one that makes this possible for me. Um, I am on my knees all the time just praying for strength and for patience um, mm -hmm. because juggling um, the responsibilities of being a mom and being a network executive, they're heavy loads. And if you aren't careful, you will burn out and you'll you'll stretch yourself too thin. Um, mm -hmm. So I do spend a lot of time just trying to be aware of what requires my attention in this moment and what can be tabled until later so that I really have a, a sense of balance in my life that's very important to me. Um, mm -hmm. I think during this COVID time, it's become even more apparent that balance, work-life balance is important um, for your health, for your state of mind. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to be superwoman on all fronts is, it's just no good for anyone, the people you're serving or you yourself. And then speaking of your faith, you're also okay. heavily involved in your church too. I am. As a, um, as a youth coordinator, I believe. I am. I, um, I'm the coordinator of the young adult ministry at St. Matthew Amy Church mm -hmm. in Orange, New Jersey. Um, I just have, first and foremost, a, a passion for Christ. Uh, he is my best friend. God is everything to me. Mm -hmm. And God's allowed me to walk on this earth with uh, favor and grace like I've never witnessed before. So I can't 
operate <laughs> without acknowledging him. Mm -hmm. um, and my my um, advocate, my advocate heart for youth and for children married to my faith has positioned me to really enjoy and be fulfilled with the work that I do at church as a young adult ministry leader. Um, I, I lead a, a weekly Bible study every Saturday morning. Um, I talk to these guys throughout the week on text and different uh, social media platforms because they, they, they just talk in all these different groups mm -hmm. um, just to keep them motivated and encouraged and, and make sure they always know there's someone out there who cares about their well-being. Um, young people, uh, Gen Zers and millennials, I think have a unique uh, mental and emotional state right now where they are inundated with information and overwhelmed with this responsibility to understand it all. And I feel like without faith that can destroy you. Um, so I try to remind them that there's a God out there who's, who's with them all the time. They're not in this by themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't need to um, burden themselves with the, with the ways of this world, but instead just sort of uh, ride out the waves and allow God to navigate them through storms and allow them to rest during the um, quiet times. Well, the youth are really um, monumental in this whole, or during COVID, during this whole, during leading the yeah. marches mm -hmm. and just getting out there and energizing the movement. And yeah. um, I'm really proud of them. I mean- Oh, I'm extremely proud of them. There's a fearlessness. Yes. Yeah, there's a fearlessness. There's a, um, there's a boldness. I, I like to say, Spiritually speaking, there's a Joshua spirit in mm -hmm. this generation where they feel confident and comfortable um, walking boldly in who they are and demanding certain things to be in place for them to operate in their greatness. So that's inspiring to all of us. It's motivating and it's going to definitely make this world a better place. So I am very thankful um, for the young people who have mobilized and, and energized this world into really activating the positive things. Mm -hmm. And getting out there and voting. And voting, yeah. They you know, voted all in that record marching. numbers yeah. this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very proud of them. How are you feeling about this election? Um, <laughs> well, it's over, <laughs> what we I think, but. The election? Um, you know what, I, I felt a shift. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that moving and, and transcending this space of chaos and confusion is going to be easy, but I think we are turning in that direction, which is always a good thing. Um, I, I don't think Joe Biden or Kamala Harris are the answer, but I think they are a part of the answer. I think we're the answer. I think our engagement and our enthusiasm um, for righteousness and for fairness and for just and for moral um, standards in this country is what's going to turn things around. Um, I don't think the four, our forefathers of this country um, were, were smart. I, I do think they were smart enough to know that despite their shortcomings and despite the fact that they didn't know everything, they knew to ask God to bless America because they knew that we were going to be faced with a lot of trying times. And I think we're in a season right now where we are being awakened to the injustices of this country to the evils of this country that need to be reconciled so that we can heal and we can move forward. It's like 
any other relationship. Um, the people of this country, black and white and otherwise, we are in a dysfunctional relationship and we've grown comfortable in that dysfunction. And I think the four years of the Trump administration for all the bad that it offered, the good thing it gave us was an opportunity to see ourselves. We yeah. saw how dysfunctional we were and now we're in a position to fix it. And I think the way we do that is for everyone to stay just as excited as they were about this election um, throughout the four years of the Biden administration. And I think that's what people are realizing. They're realizing mm -hmm. that the activism can't stop. It can't continue in order for us to move forward because we're so easily lulled back mm -hmm. into our bad ways and um, negative habits that this country yeah. that we've had for years. I mean, yeah. that's the reality show it is. <laughs> This is definitely, at certain points, I was like, is somebody writing this? There has to be a control room. Exactly. Like this is, it was insane. These past four years have been insane. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not ending positively either. No, and I, I don't think anyone expected it to. If, if it had, that would have been a surprise ending. Like this is definitely playing to the script. Right. Um, so we have to do our part and stay vigilant in demanding what we know is right and what we know is true. Excellent. So I want to ask you, how did you overcome your health concerns? Because they were very, very- Look at you doing your little research. <laughs> I see you. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good moment for me to plug my book. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have a book um, that speaks to my health challenges and my um, reliance on my faith. Um, it's called The Truth Wrapped in Love um, by me. I find it on Amazon or um, I don't know if Barnes and Nobles is even still a thing now, but it used to be on there. Um, or you can go to my website and order it there, AshleyMBooey.com. Um, my health challenges. Um, if you do pick up the book or if you do a little research on me, you'll, you'll find that in 2011, I was diagnosed with a very rare neurological disorder called pseudotumor cerebrae. Um, I don't currently suffer from it. Um, praise be to God, I was able to overcome it and learn a lot through the process of healing. Um, but during that time, I was um, very afraid. I, it, it's, a, it's a disorder that uh, increases the cerebral spinal fluid flowing through your brain and through your back and your body. And it was building up so much in my brain that, and it wasn't draining out to the point where it was acting like a mass in my head and it was putting pressure on my brain and it caused me to go blind. Um, and it was very frightening. I was very young. I hadn't had my first child yet. And, um, <clears throat> I was, um, I was just debilitated by fear and being a woman of faith. Um, that was a strange and unusual space for me to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had, you know, tough times prior to that, but nothing that compares to thinking that your life is over um, because you have severe headaches. Um, no one can explain what's going on. It took them months to diagnose it. And then even once they diagnosed it, they, they couldn't figure out how to treat it. Um, and it just, it put me in a, in a space where I really had to evaluate how I was going to respond. Mm -hmm. And um, God is funny in that way that he always prepares you for where you're headed. And then when you get there, if you ask him, he'll tell you, you know, how to operate in this moment. But if you don't ask them, you get overwhelmed and you're surprised. Um, but the thing I learned is that God is never surprised. He always knows what's ahead of us and he's got a plan for it. Um, and I took 
that time while I was sick and while the doctors were trying to figure out what was wrong with me to really turn to him and, and talk to him, literally open my mouth and speak words through prayer with him just to ask him what was going on and what did he need from me in that moment. Um, and I think what I heard was that he needed my full attention. Um, so I completely, I quit everything. I stopped working. I've been working since I was 14. Um, and at the time, I think I was show running a home renovation show. Um, I stopped working. I um, stayed at home. I call it my little sabbatical. I stayed at home because uh, I couldn't walk. I had lost a lot of muscle mass because they were giving me medication that would drain the fluid. Um, and I just read my Bible. Um, I read the Bible from cover to cover. I'd always wanted to, but I'd never had the time to do it. Um, and I read it like a storybook. Um, and it was life-changing. It, it opened my eyes to truth. And it revealed to me that much of what I had learned as a little church girl in Atlanta, Georgia, um, wasn't necessarily true and wasn't necessarily complete. Um, but when I read his word for myself, um, I believe he revealed to me that what he wants us to understand is love. He wants us to understand that that is all we need. And as simple as that sounds and has, as trite as you know, people have made it seem over the years, it's, it's quite profound when you can operate in love in all aspects of your life. Um, it, it forces you to forgive. It, it forces you to heal it, it it makes you happy like love does conquer all things and when I read the bible cover to cover I had several examples through the people of biblical times um, to look to to see how they operated in love to overcome the challenges in their life and I leaned into that in order to uh, overcome the health challenges that I had and and what I learned is that oftentimes when we talk about love, we talk about loving the world and loving everyone else. And what he taught me was that I needed to love myself. I had not been loving myself mm -hmm. the way I needed to in order to operate fully in the gifts that he had given me. Um, the word asked that we love him with all of our heart, our mind and our soul. Um, but when we realize he lives within us, we can't love him without loving us. Um, so I spent most of that time just sort of learning about self-care. Um, learning about how to, like I mentioned earlier, uh, get that real work-life balance because it's not, it's not a luxury to have that. It's a necessity. Um, rest is not an option. It's a command. And uh, those were just a few things that I learned in that time were imperative for me to accept and embrace and integrate into my everyday lifestyle so that I could live at a higher level and achieve the things that he had planned on me achieving for his glory, not mine. Um, most of the things that you mentioned on that list of things I'd accomplished in my career, as well as I was doing up until the point I got sick, um, the things I did after I got sick were so much more impressive. Um, and it put me in positions to connect and relate with people um, in a way that I hadn't been able to before. And it threw me into spheres of influence um, where I could introduce people to who God is, not through teaching and not through preaching, but just by being mm -hmm. him. They would see through me who he is. And that opened up a lot more doors because God wants to be everywhere. So if I'm willing to allow him to take me over, he'll let me go wherever he needs me to go. That's powerful. Now, <laughs> it is. it's really powerful. How long was your health ordeal? How About a year. Um, I dealt, I dealt with, um, the, the 
the heart of it was about, I think, six to eight months. And then after that, I was able to get my sight back. I built up my weight back. They had me on medication that was working. Um, my neurologist calls me his miracle case because they had me on all of these medications that were not working for months. And then once I started really digging into my faith and getting into routines of prayer and meditation and eating healthy and listening to the spirits and sort of guide my direction and my decisions throughout the day, there was a calmness that was that was pervading my body um, that I'm convinced sped up my healing process. Um, and it just blew him away. Like he just couldn't believe that all of a sudden things were starting to disappear. Mm -hmm. um, speaking in tongues, laying hands on myself, all that stuff y'all think the crazy church folk talk about. It works when you believe in it and when you're in cooperation with God's purpose for it. Um, and uh, once I, you know, got my vision back and uh, they saw that the, the cerebral spinal fluid levels had gone down, um, I, I was just at a new level of living and I wanted everything I did to be in response to something God asked of me. Um, so I wrote the book. And um, I wrote the book and it was effortless. It just sort of like flowed from me and it flew off the shelves and <laughs> it still does, Fantastic. which is great. Um, and that was something that was unexpected. I'm a TV producer. I, I didn't, I mean, I love to write. Mm -hmm. um, I love telling stories, but I didn't, I never anticipated being a published author. Um, and that opened up the doors for me to go on speaking tours and uh, to connect with uh, different women's groups and youth groups to kind of talk about and promote the book. But in that, really talk to them about uh, finding their own journeys and, and connecting with God in that way so that their journeys could be elevated as well. Um, and it's definitely enhanced how I produce. Um, I produce television and I, I produce, you know, the word says everything you touch will be fruitful. Mm -hmm. um, so I produce with that level of confidence and that changes how you approach your work when you're not afraid to fail or you're not concerned with things going wrong. Um, the boldness behind that, I think, elicits greater work. What an inspiration. That's unbelievable. <laughs> no, seriously, that's Thanks. so good to hear. I tell you. And I know you have like core values that you've said that uh, sustain you through your journey. And oh I, gosh, you're going to make me quote my website. And yeah, I want you to quote your core. I'm going to get it wrong. Because you're preaching now. You're like helping <laughs> people. This is a time when people need help, you know? What What were the three words? Was it faith, love? It was uh, faith, humility, and um, what was the other one? Commitment. Yes. So I, the reason I forget them is because me and my publicist at the time had gone back and forth about what are the right words. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know all of them. Faith, patience, love, humility, all of it. So um, faith, humility, and what was the third one? Commitment. Commitment. Yeah, those were good. Good three. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say those are still at my core. Um, the faith for me is, is the biggest one. Um, particularly in times like this, where you have so many uncertainties surrounding you, and um, it's easy to get caught up in the not knowing. Yeah. It's when you get comfortable and excited about not knowing that you are really free. And that's what faith is. Faith is about believing in the unseen. So when you, when you have faith in things hoped for, um, you don't have to worry. And I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying things, but it, it's when those worries start to creep into your mind, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. just remind yourself, I trust God. 
Like I have faith in God. He's, mm-hmm. he's in control of this. He's, he has not failed me yet. And he has no intentions to. Um, so as hard as it looks, as hard as it feels, because I have been through hard times, very emotionally trying times, even outside of my health. So I don't want anyone to take away from this that I don't understand what pain is. And I don't understand what, what uh, struggling feels like. It hurts. I know what depression feels like. It hurts. It gets dark. It gets sad. You feel lonely. All of those are real emotions, but it's the faith that allows you to rise above them. Um, it's the understanding that in your weakness, God's strength is perfect, um, that, that allows you um, the courage uh, not to sit in that pain um, for too long, but instead, like, just look up, just look up and wait, and he's there, and he'll reveal something or someone uh, to give you a helping hand to pull you out of your miry um, little muck that you're in. Um, the humility is big. Um, when I teach uh, young folks about humility, um, I always quote Kendrick Lamar, who says, sit down, be humble. Um, all, it, all humility literally means is making yourself low enough so that you can receive what God wants to pour into you. You are, you're not being weak. You're not being a pushover. You're not allowing people to stomp all over you. Humility has to do with your relationship with God. So when you're seated low enough for him to stand above you and pour into you what you need, you're being humble. And in that humility, you're going to receive all of his greatness, the wisdom, the discernment, the peace, the goodness, the love, all that stuff that you need to deal with these other people that you think you can't be humble with. He's going to give you what you need to operate and function with them if you're humble with God. Um, and that's, that's my first priority. Let me humble myself to God. So he has, he's in, we're in the right positions um, for me to receive all the tools that I need to operate in this world. And the commitment speaks to really being brave enough to adhere to everything I just said daily. Um, the word says it's a daily renewal of your mind. You're, you're committed to this. This is, you're playing the long game. Um, you understand that when you say, okay, God, I'm yours. It's not, I'm yours until it gets hard. It's I'm yours. And that commitment um, is what I hold on to, um, to understand that I have to get to the finish line. It's, it, this, isn't, this isn't a game I can quit <laughs> because the stakes are too high. God created us to be solutions to problems. So when we aren't committed to being in relationship with him, the things that he's gifting us with, the talents that he's pouring into us, the understanding and the knowledge that he's sharing with us, we're not in a position to offer it to the world through our work, through our conversations, through our art, any of it. And then that means there's some problem out there that's going to forever be a problem because we aren't committed to working and cooperating with him. Unbelievable. I'm Ashley, you're such an inspiration and a blessing. Oh, thank you. I mean, you have dropped words of wisdom onto <laughs> us tonight. I just want to give you all the glory, girl. Thank no, you. No, I so thank much. you guys for this opportunity. God yes. is good. God is good. He he the shows I do, people are always like, How can you produce that ratchet TV? You believe in Jesus. I was like, Jesus got to be in all the rooms. Trust me, it'd be way more ratchet if he wasn't there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> But there's also, there's a truth in the ratchetness. There's an honesty. I mean, we mm-hmm. like as Black folks to act like 
you know, we can only offer up our best selves. And, and we have good reason to think that because we don't have as many opportunities to offer up our full selves. Um, but um, in these spaces where we can provide entertainment to each other and others, um, I'm just about honesty. And if the characters brought to the table are ratchet, they're ratchet. If they're pious, they're pious. I just want to tell those stories because in that truth, God does the rest. It well, doesn't Jesus matter how- everywhere. He was yeah, everywhere. It's everywhere. He's everywhere. So I, I just enjoy telling true stories. Um, like I said, I can't speak for all unscripted television, but I can say the shows that I have a hand in, I do my absolute best to make sure honesty prevails, um, good, bad, and ugly. Um, and I find that that truth and that honesty and that storytelling makes it entertaining and compelling. And I think that's what helps these shows um, succeed. Yes, they're great shows. And you have yeah. a wonderful track record. Oh, and I thank, you. thank you for your time. It's thank been, you guys. Yes, really, really this appreciate it. This is great. Incredible, yeah. incredible experience. What you guys are doing is fantastic. Leslie is a jewel. Um, she will forever be my sister. Um, <laughs> We, the project we worked on hasn't seen the day of light, the light of day yet, but it shall because it's, it's something special. Um, so I do appreciate what you guys are doing. She's out there doing the hard work of getting the truth out as well. So I'm forever grateful to her for that. My children will benefit from what you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Have a okay. great night. All right. Bye-bye.